Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We know that in the beginning is the beginning of time as we know it. It's the beginning of this age. It is not the beginning of all that is because God is from everlasting to everlasting. He has no beginning. He has no end. And so this is the beginning of time. Okay, God does not exist in time. He exists in time, but he also exists outside of time because he is from everlasting to everlasting. So when we see in the beginning here in Genesis 1, it's the beginning of time. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now watch verse 4. And God saw the light, that it was what? It was what? It was good. That word good there just doesn't mean like, oh, this ice cream I just had is really good. That word good there in the Hebrew denotes none better. It was good to the point that none could be better. It could not be better than he created it. It was good. All right? And God divided the light from the darkness. Skip down to verse 9. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was what? It was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was what? Are you seeing a pattern here? It was good. It was good. It was good. Verse 16, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. By the way, in that verse, in case you miss it, light is made to rule whether it's day or night. Light is made to rule whether it's day or night. Darkness is never made to rule in God's plan. Light was made to rule. Verse 17, God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. You're seeing the pattern now. We're not going to keep reading every verse. I'll just tell you, verse 20 and 21 tells us there that God created whales and living things and fowls and he saw that it was good. Verse 27 and 28, 26, 27, 28 tells us he created man. Maybe we'll pick up at verse 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. That's worth noting today in the world we live in. And God blessed them. 
And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply. Watch verse 28. Please pay attention here. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. This is God's word. This is God's plan from the beginning that man would have dominion over every living thing on the earth. Is that what it says? Amen. Now skip down to verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was what? It was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. I, uh, I really feel like the Holy Ghost wants to talk to us today on this simple thought, the restoration of God's divine order. The restoration of God's divine order. God is a God of order. He created things in order. He set the earth in order. He set the sun, the moon, and the stars in their place. He set order when he put man in dominion over all of those things upon the earth. It's God setting things in order. He is a God of order. It's the reason the scripture can declare he is not the author of confusion. He is a God of order. That doesn't mean he's a God of rigidity. But everything he does, he does in order. He has, when he gave instruction, that's why we can read, we're not going to talk about this necessarily today, but we can read Ephesians and read about the structure of a home that's laid out in the scripture of the scripture, and we come to see a home has scriptural order that God has given. Christ is the head of the man. The man is the head of the woman. They are the head of the children. And we see the order, and we see what flows through that order. Now, this is not about thumbs on people. We know that. But it's God's order, and God blesses order. But when something gets out of order, chaos ensues. I'd like you to pray with me again this morning before we go any further and ask the Lord to help us and speak to us by his word the way he wants to today. Jesus, I thank you for your word that cannot fail. I thank you for your wisdom that is far above what we can even comprehend, but yet you reveal it to us in times and places to bring us nearer you and a better understanding of you. I thank you today for your word. I pray now your anointing upon every life in this room. I pray for your anointing upon these lips of clay. I pray your anointing upon our ears today. Let us to hear the word of God as you intend it. I pray help me to speak the word of God as you want it spoken. And I pray confirm your word in our lives and our spirit and with signs following that there be clarity in the Holy Ghost. 
In Jesus' name, we take authority over anything that would war contrary. And we pray a pure flow of your word and spirit to accomplish all that you intend in each life that would allow it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. He's God of order. He made everything good. That's what he does. The book of Ecclesiastes tells us there's a time for everything, right? You know those verses in Ecclesiastes 3, I believe it is, right? There's a time to reap. There's a time to sow. There's a time to weep. There's a, there's a time for all these things. But the, later on, after all of those different times are named, it says he makes everything beautiful. Is that what it says? Go read it again. It really does. He makes everything beautiful in his time. God does things in order. We see it from the very beginning of time. And God established a plan and an order. That's why Genesis 1 is so important to us. It is the book of beginnings, not just the book of the beginning of time, not just the book of creation, but the beginning of the principles of God being set in place that we are meant to walk in and live in and abide in. This is critical to understand. So we see this in Genesis 1. Now, Genesis 2, we get a little more insight into how he created man. It says he formed him of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. But we see some instruction that God gives to his creation. Verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God, notice verse 16, he commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. No, I'm sort of plodding along just a minute. We're going to shift. Don't worry. We need to see God is a God of order. And so when he, some would ask, well, why did God create all of this, tell man he had dominion over all of this, and then put a tree in the middle of the garden and tell man he couldn't eat it? Why wouldn't he just not put the tree there? You ever thought that? Well, you're in the right place this morning. You're going to find out why he put the tree there instead of building the garden without the tree. He did so because he's a God of order. And he had to make sure that man that he created would come in alignment with his order. In order for him to bless man and for his authority to operate in man, the dominion that he gave man that we read there in Genesis 1, you understand that was delegated dominion. It was delegated authority. The dominion and the authority that man had came from God. Does that make sense? When he said, I give you dominion, isn't that what he said? I give you dominion. That means God had the dominion already. And he said, I'm delegating it to you. I'm giving you dominion. You don't just get it because you're man. You get it because I made you and I created you and I want to give it to you. And so since I'm giving you dominion authority over all these things, you have to prove and show and live within my order. So how do I know that mankind is in my order? 
I'll put a tree in the midst of the garden, and this is the instruction I give him, and his following of my word shows that he's in alignment with my order. But Adam, in the day that you eat thereof, if you violate my order, you'll die. Mankind, outside of God's order, cannot, does not, and will not ever truly live. There is no true life outside of God's order. I want to say that again. There is no true life outside of God's order. You may have moments where it feels like, oh, man, I'm really living today. But I'm telling you, what Adam had in the garden was meant to be eternal. But when he violated God's word and God's order, people say, well, hold on. I read that, but he didn't die. He ate, but they didn't die. Oh, they did die. Spiritually that day, they died. There came a separation because they broke God's order and death began. Until that point, they would have they had eternal life. They were in a place that God would ever care for them and give it. But when they broke God's order, death began to work in their life. This is why Romans uh, 6 and 23 can say, For the wages of sin is death. See, this is the deception that you and I we see and live in and have all at some point participated in because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have violated God's order and come short of the glory of God. You understand sin is a violation of God's order. Adam and Eve eating of the tree is a violation of God's order, a disobedience to the word of God. And so this violation of God's order, the wages of sin is death. That hasn't changed from the beginning. But here's the thing. We read that and say, well, they ate, but they didn't die. But they did die. They just didn't die the day they ate. You can read that later in Genesis chapter 5. Read all the genealogies there, and you'll see Adam lived this many years and died. And here's the thing. Just as we see that, this is what happens to mankind, you and I. We can sin because God has given us a free will. We can violate God's order, but we violate it and then we go, you know, I didn't die. And there's the deception. Because it's not instant. That's why Peter said the long suffering of God it's salvation to you. It's why the writer declared it's because of his mercies that we are not consumed. Because God's merciful. And so though I violate his word, rather than him immediately becoming the judge and destroying me for the violation of his word, he extends mercy. And he's long-suffering. Why is he long-suffering? Because he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. He wants all to return back to 
His divine order. And so He's long-suffering, giving opportunity, giving opportunity, giving time, giving room, giving place. The long-suffering of God is salvation to us. It's not a justification of my sin. It's the mercies of God saying, I'm reaching again while you still have breath in you. But if you don't return into proper order, there is a promised word of God that I have to fulfill. The wage of sin is death. Adam and Eve violated God's order. We see that in Genesis chapter 3. It didn't take long. Genesis 2, he gives them the order that they are to follow. Genesis 3, they violate the order. Genesis 4, we see the result of their violation of order. It spreads. One man opened the door to chaos by violating God's order. And we see it spread. By Genesis chapter 4, they have two sons, Cain and Abel, who are now grown men. And Cain has entered in because of his father's choice. Cain is born in sin. And Cain has a thought. He's jealous of his brother. I'm telling you, jealousy is a result of being outside of God's order. Cain is jealous of his brother. And we're only in the fourth chapter now. In Genesis 1, everything was good. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was very good. Everything was decent and in order and right and designed by God the way He wanted it to. The world was shaped and formed and framed and designed by Him. And it functioned and worked and operated in perfect unity and unison the way He intended. And man had dominion the way God intended. But man violated God's order and it opened the door to sin. And chaos reigned where God once had peace and sin reigned and Cain, their very own son, turned and became a murderer and slew their other son, Abel. How did that happen? Because Adam opened the door to sin. Adam violated God's order and then it entered something into the world where now his son is violating God's order. Sin is reigning and operating in the world and sin unleashed cannot be reigned in. We see it continue. Chapter 5 is a chapter of just genealogy and it tells us how long people live. But then we get to chapter 6 and we pick up there at verse number 5. We just barely got into the book. But watch Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5 and you see the progression of the door that Adam opened and God saw. What did, remember what we just read in verse 31 of Genesis 1? And God saw everything. It was all very good. Remember that? Now we've made it to Genesis 6, chapter 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great. That doesn't mean like, oh, that's great. That's wonderful. It means like vast and extensive. The wickedness of man was great in the earth. And every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil Continually. And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth. And it grieved Him at His heart. It's talking about the Lord there. The Lord repented. Now you say, hold on, I thought repentance when you sin. No, repentance is when you have a change of thought. 
Now, if you've sinned, you should repent. You should have a change of thought. But repentance still means the same thing. It's a change of one's thinking. When it says it repented the Lord, he had a change of heart. Because he saw everything he was created was good. But in just a short order, because Adam opened the door, he saw all wickedness of man great in the earth. And the Lord was grieved. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Thank God for verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You better thank God for verse 8. Because if it wasn't for verse 8, you and I wouldn't be here today. You understand that? If it wasn't for verse 8 right there, if it wasn't for this guy Noah, we would not be here. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. Noah got back in order. Noah lived a life that was in agreement with God's order. And as a result, what did he find? He found grace. I want you to mark that. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah did not live in the dispensation of grace. Noah lived in a dispensation of conscience, I believe. I'm all out of order here. But Noah lived in this dispensation it wasn't the dispensation of grace. But yet, Noah found something ahead of his time. Because he walked in God's order. I'm telling you, when you and I seek to come in alignment with God's order, God will bring things into our life that may step ahead in time and can change things in our lives that we thought would never change when we get in alignment with His order. Watch. You can keep reading. We're not going to there in Genesis. We got to six chapters, and man, this is pretty bleak. Didn't take us long to make a mess of things. God's repenting that he made us, and we know he destroyed the earth. Thank God for Noah and Noah's sons that he raised in the fear of the Lord. At least enough of the fear of the Lord to get them and their wives on the boat with him. You say, surely God wouldn't destroy the earth and only save eight people. He would. Why? Because he's a God of order. He's a God of order. It's why I can't buy the easy believism that says it doesn't really matter, just whatever. No, no, God is a God of order. Well, but God loves everybody. God loved everybody in Noah's day, but they violated his order. And the instruction, the direction of God was get in the boat or you'll die. Get he gave them a way out. You understand? He was a merciful God. How merciful. 120-something years, it would seem, that he gave. That's mercy. They had opportunity 
to get in alignment. What was God's order? Get on the ark and you'll be saved. All you got to do is get on the ark. And they came, they saw it, they saw it being built. Noah preached to them. The Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness, right living, right relationship with God. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. They had opportunity to come in alignment with God's order, and they didn't do it. Then God destroyed them. But I thought God, God did love them. That's why he gave so much time for them to respond to his call to his order. See, there's a false doctrine that's grown and continues to grow in our world today. And it's this. God loves everybody. That part's not false. But this is how you see. At the serpent told Eve in the garden, hath God said. See, he started with a truth and then added on a lie. And he still does the same thing. I thought God loves everybody. That's how the serpent starts. He does. That's true. But then the serpent says, if he loves everybody, would he really destroy the earth one day, take his church away, the capturing, the catching away of the bride, and then judge the earth? Oh, God, love. it's gone so far that some people who have taught and believed the word of God now teach that the word of God doesn't really mean it when it says there's a hell. Why? Because they're teaching easy believism. And that you can live how you want outside of God's order and it doesn't matter. Well, that's just not true. God has order. He doesn't make it difficult. Now hear me, there's a difference between rules and order. Order. His order is about right relationship with him. Now, I'm sure thankful... There is a way out. Go to Romans chapter 5. We'll fast forward here. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Brother Reuben quoted this this morning. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us. See there, this is a part that the adversary takes his life. I thought God loved everybody. He does. This, he proved it. God commendeth or proveth his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For you, for me. He died for us. Not while I was perfect. Not while I had, I had somebody. I was communicating with somebody last night. Uh, reaching out. I've been reaching to the last several weeks. Um, just believing God for them and their family. And I was reaching out and appealing to them. And they said, man, I've just been going through some stuff. And they were expressing to me how they felt like they were falling short and missing the mark. And But they wanted to get connect with me. And they just didn't feel like they could come and worship or do anything because they'd just been. I'm like, man, God, God's not waiting for you to get it all together before you show up. That's like saying, man, I got really bad health problems. As soon as I get feeling better, I'm going to the doctor so he can tell me what was up. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. If I got spiritual issues and challenges and problems, where am I going to go? I'm going to go to the house of God, fellowship with the people of God, seek the face of God, humble myself before God and say, God, I can't do it, but you can. The whole need not a physician, Jesus said. Verse 9, much more than 
be now justified by his blood, not our own works, by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, that's when we oppose God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, watch, we shall be saved by his life. I want you to hear what Paul just said here. Sometimes the King James hurts us because we got to go, hold on, what was all that? If we're reconciled, if a way for us to be brought back in right relationship with God was made by the blood when he died, how much more is that relationship going to be fulfilled and will be saved by his life? That's why we don't just celebrate the cross. We celebrate the empty tomb. Amen. We're saved by his life. We're reconciled by his death, but we're saved by his life. Watch, we'll see how. Aren't you thankful for the word of God that tells us how? Verse 11, and not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Now watch verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, everybody say one man. By one man, sin entered into the world. Who was that one man? Adam. That's what we just read about in Genesis. By one man, sin entered into the world. And what came by sin? Death came by sin. And so because of that one man's sin, what happened? Death passed on all men. Is that what it says? By one man's sin, death passed on all men. Adam's sin opened the door whereby every single one of us in this room and every single life outside of this room on the face of planet Earth is now subject to death because of Adam's breaking of God's order. One man violated God's order. And it opened the door. I'm telling you, when it, how, where, how does death come? Death comes by disease. Death comes by all means. Death comes by, you can fill in the blank, the, the God of this world has blinded the minds of people. And people are now wrapped up in the chaos and the, just all of the wickedness of this day like we read about in Noah's day. And we see it brings death and destruction and division and destruction and despair and destruction and death. How come? Because Adam, one man, opened the door when he violated God's order. And we deal with the consequences every single day. This is how vital God's order is. There is disease throughout the earth. Because man violated God's order. Adam and Eve never got sick in the garden. Adam and Eve didn't get sick in the garden. God made everything good. None better. When they violated God's word, it opened the door to sickness and disease. That which brings death. Infirmities come through the door that Adam opened. Division comes through the door that Adam opened. Sin brought all those things into the earth. 
God, somebody asked the question. Uh, you've heard it before. How come a loving God, if God is so good and God loves, how come all of this is happening? Why this in the earth? Why, you can fill in the blank, why school shootings? Why wars? Why, and you, you, right, you fill in all the, you, you've heard those questions before. If God, why, I'll tell you why. Because somebody named Adam violated God's order. You understand that was the chain effect. It's you ever you ever set up dominoes and push one and watch them go. Have ever done that? Yeah. Or you throw a rock out in the middle of the pond and watch it ripple. What is that? That's a chain effect. One thing sets off another, sets off another. Adam, by one man, sin entered into the world. He literally, if you'll pardon the expression, he opened Pandora's box when he violated God's order. God had given dominion. God had set everything in order. It was all good. And man violated God's order. One man. And that one man's violation is the reason we deal with all that we deal with today that's not of God. Don't worry. We're not going to. We're going to turn right now. By one man, sin entered the world. And death came by sin, and death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, if we stopped reading right there and I said, thank you for coming today, God bless you, you're dismissed. He'd be like, I'm never going to that church again. That's bleak and dismal, and my goodness gracious, it's doomsday in there. But thank God he's not done writing. Verse 13. Or... For sake, just skip to 14 since there's time. Nevertheless, watch, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over, watch, I want you to see this because this affects us. Notice, death reigned even over them that had not sinned after the similitude or in the same manner that Adam sinned or his transgression. But because of Adam's transgression, Death reigned over you and I. Even if we didn't violate the order the way that Adam did, it opened the door. This is why King David to declare, could declare, I was born in sin. I was shapen in iniquity. Because Adam opened the door. And so death reigned. Death reigned. Death reigned. Verse 15. But not as the offense. So watch. This is the change. If you're not paying attention, you'll miss it. But not as the offense. So also is the what? Uh-oh. There's a change. There's a free gift. There's a free gift. Don't miss that. So also, the same way that one man brought death on all, so also is the free gift. There's a way to get a free gift. Anybody like free gifts? How many of you get like those little, you get an app just so you can put your birthday on and go get a free cup of coffee on your birthday? Come on, raise your hand. Look at that, Sister Denise. She probably gets Rigos on his birthday too. Right? You get those free drinks on your birthday, you like plan your day, right? I'm going to get one to start the day, and then lunch I'm going to go buy this one. Anybody do that? Raise your hand. You ever done that? Okay, see, we like free gifts. Right? 
We don't think about the fact, man, I'm spending $4 a gallon in gas to go get that free coffee. It's free. It's a gift. Drive from Moxie all the way to Union Gap to get a cup of coffee, but it was free. So I, I was, did you raise your hand? But we like the gift. This is a free gift. Don't miss it. By one, sin entered. But also, by the same way, there's a free gift. For if, through the offense of one, many be dead. That's how, right, death entered. Much more, notice, much more the grace of God. What did Noah find in the eyes of the Lord? Aha. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he walked in right relationship. He was in God's order, and so he found grace. Much more the grace of God. And what? And what? The gift. Oh, there's a gift. See, some people just say, oh, it's grace. No, 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 there's a gift. There's a gift. The gift by grace. You know Hebrews calls the Holy Ghost the spirit of grace? Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. The gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Let's keep going, verse 16. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the what? Paul is wanting us to recognize there's a gift. He keeps repeating it. So is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. You want to be justified from your sin? There's a free gift that can do that. Or 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, that's Adam, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the what? The gift of righteousness. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. The gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one. Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came on all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, that's Jesus Christ, the free gift came upon all men to justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one man shall many be made righteous. Now see, this is where we people miss this. I want you to notice this verse. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By the obedience of one shall... Now, we're all made sinners by one man's. We just read there. By one man's disobedience, many were. We're all made sinners by one man's disobedience? Yes, but apparently the scripture just says many, not all. You know what I believe? I believe because Noah found grace and walked in righteousness and got back in right order. He became the exception to that saying many rather than all. See, you can get back in God's order. And when you get in God's order, He does not remember your sin. So, I was a sinner, but I'm not a sinner. I was born in sin, but I'm free from sin. I have committed sin, but I've been washed from sin, so I'm no longer a sinner. By the obedience of one 
shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned to death, even so might grace reign through righteousness to eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. I pointed it out to you multiple times. Verse 15, the free gift, the gift by grace. Verse 16, the gift, the free gift. Verse 17, the gift of righteousness. There is a gift. This idea that, well, because Jesus came, we all have grace and no, I got to receive the gift. Salvation came by the free gift, the Bible says. Is that what it said? We just read it. See, people pick verses out of Romans, but don't read the whole book. Salvation came by the free gift. So would you like the free gift? I sure would. Let's read. We got to read fast. I'm taking way too long. Skip, go to chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer there? And you see the change. We're no longer in sin. Now we're dead to sin. That speaks of people that are back in God's order. How did they get back in God's order? Verse 3. Do you not know that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him. How are we buried with him? We're buried with him by baptism into death. What's the wages of sin? Death. By sin, death entered in. So so what happens? We can be buried with Christ through baptism into death. I don't know if you're getting this. Here, Brother Lewis, come on, humor me, please. I, I apologize in advance. I need you to see this. Can you just sit right here with your feet up here? Yeah, just like right there. Watch. I'm going to baptize him. An example. We're not going to put him in the water. He's got a nice suit on. He has sinned. We've all sinned. We're sinners, except for the blood of Jesus that atones. And so the cost of my sin is death. Death entered by Adam, but by one man, Jesus Christ, I can be restored into proper order. You understand, this is what Paul is declaring in Romans. I can be brought back in proper order, but I have to die for sin. So how do I die? I get buried with Christ in baptism into death. I'm buried into his death. This is why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ. So he's baptized into death. So that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so Thank you. We also should walk. How should we walk? We should walk in our sin. We should walk in bondage. Oh no. We also should walk in newness of life. But I didn't die for my sin. Oh, but you did. You, you, how did you die for your sin? He died for your sin. And you associated with death through baptism in his name. 
You were buried with him by baptism into death. Man, you're not getting that. When I went through the water in Jesus' name and I came out, I'm no longer a slave to sin. I have been made free. How? Because one man, the same way that sin came in by one man, deliverance came by one man, a free gift. And so I had to be, I had to be baptized into death. But just like he didn't stay in the tomb, I didn't stay underwater. I came up. I came up out of the grave. The watery grave. I came up to walk in newness of life. What's the newness of life? Well, I'm jumping ahead. We didn't read it all, but here we are. What's the newness of life? The newness of life is the free gift. It's the free gift. Well, what's the gift? It's exactly what Peter was talking about on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when he said, then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. That sounds like everybody, doesn't it? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. How should you be baptized? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission, the removal, the washing away of sins. And then what happens? You shall receive what? Oh, there's a gift. There's a gift. It's a free gift. It's the gift of grace. It's the spirit of grace. And what is the gift for? Go back to Romans 6. And you see what the gift is for there in verse 4. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. What is that newness of life? It's the restoration of proper order. It's the restoration of proper order. This is why Jesus Christ could say, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost in the garden? I'll tell you what was lost. God's order was lost. But he said, I did not intend for man to live diseased, destroyed, dying and in despair. I intended for man to live victorious in dominion with authority in the earth. And so I'm come to seek and to save what was lost. I've come to restore proper order. What Adam destroyed with his sin, one man, Jesus Christ, stepped in. And through the cross and the tomb and the resurrection, he said, I'm restoring proper order. If you'll come to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I'm buried with him in baptism unto death. But I'm not made to stay in the grave. I come up and walk in newness of life. It's the free gift. It's the free gift. He made a way. He made a way. He made a way. Watch verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, how are we planted? That's baptized in Jesus' name. Hear me this morning. Clear. I can give you a lot more scripture than this, these two, but we don't have time today. We have been planted together in the likeness of his death. We just read it in verse 4. That's through baptism. Baptize means to immerse. That's why we don't sprinkle. It means to immerse or to submerge. The word literally means to immerse or submerge. I can show you multiple places in Scripture where people were baptized. And every time they were baptized, 
They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This may come as a shock to some of you. No one in the scripture, you can't find it. You can go dig, but you won't find it. No one in the scripture was ever baptized with an apostle saying in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They were all baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the one man. He was God manifested in the flesh. And so if, that's a big word in this verse, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body, watch, that the body of sin might be what? Destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. Adam opened the door, but Jesus said, I have made a way where you can get back in proper order and you'll no longer serve sin. Sin will no longer have dominion in your life. You can live a life free and separated from sin if you'll come in alignment with my order. He is a restorer of the natural order and design. Skip to verse 14 because we don't have time for all the other. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Don't believe the lie. Sin... Don't believe, oh, I'm always bound by... No, no. If you've been buried in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, sin shall not have dominion over you. You should be walking in divine order. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under grace. What then? Should we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Do you not know that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants you are to whom you obey? What's He saying? If you start obeying the God of this world, you're going to become a servant of Him again. You start giving in your desire for fornication. You start giving in to your desire for stealing, for gambling. I don't, you fill in the blank. You start giving in to your desire for the lust of your flesh, the desires of your life. You'll become a bond. You'll come in bondage to that again. That's what Paul's saying. Whoever you yield yourself to, that's who you become a servant to. Whether of sin unto death or whether of obedience unto righteousness. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is what? Oh, I'm so glad the verse didn't end there. But the gift, <laughs> the gift of God. Notice it doesn't say the gift from God. It's the gift of God. What's he talking about? When you and I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it's not a gift from God. It's the gift of God. The very Spirit of God dwells within us. It's the gift of God. This is why Luke, quoting the Lord Jesus when he said, you shall receive the promise of the Father, not the promise from the Father. It's the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's the gift of the Father. It's the gift of God. It's not from, from, from. It's of. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive the gift of God. The Spirit of God dwells within you. 
That's how you can live free and separated from sin and walk in newness of life. Because it's a restoration of natural order. God's natural order. Now, all that was introduction for these last few minutes. So I hope you were listening. Watch. Where there is sickness and disease, you and I can pray. And when God heals somebody that's sick or diseased, you know what he's doing? He's simply restoring them to his natural design and order. Does that make sense? You have somebody whose body is diseased. We read Genesis 1. Everything was very good. God did not create man with a diseased body. And so when God heals, he does, it says, I'm just bringing it back into natural order according to my design. How, hmm. When he washes us clean from sin, it is the beginning of us coming back into his natural order and design. And so you and I choose to yield to his design and order, or we yield to the drawing of the God of this world. And we can become servants to sin again. But sin should not have dominion over us once we've been buried with him and filled with his spirit. The only way sin gets dominion over us after that is the same way that sin got dominion over Adam in the garden. Adam gave it up. Adam had dominion and he gave it up. He was deceived and he gave up dominion. But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you are designed to begin walking in dominion. And so every day you choose and I choose because God gives us free will. He doesn't go, okay, now you're filled with my spirit. Now you're my robot. He fills us with his spirit and then we choose to obey his spirit or not. And as long as we walk in obedience to his spirit, we have eternal life. Would you stand with me this morning? He is a God of order. You know what a broken relationship is? It's a relationship that's out of order. The relationship between God and man was broken, so he sought to, he made a way for it to be brought back into proper order. You and I could not fix it. And so he made a way by robing himself in flesh, coming and dwelling among us, 
and then giving up his life and then raising it up again so that we could walk in newness of life as we have just read. You watch a home that's got relationships, a husband and a wife where there's this, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Something got out of order. So what do I need to do? I need to begin to pray for God to restore proper order. He does everything in order. He is a God. Again, I'll say what I said at the outset. That doesn't mean he's rigid. But his order brings healing. His order brings peace. His order brings dominion. His order brings victory. His order. God is a God of order. Order and so you got a circumstance or a situation in your life that you need change. I start saying, God, you're a God of order. I'm praying order back into my body. I'm praying God's divine order back into my marriage. I'm praying God's divine order back into my children. I'm praying God's divine order back into this circumstance. I'm praying, God, your order and your direction and your wisdom and your counsel in these things. I'm done giving avenue and ear and entry to the adversary when you made a way to restore order. But you know what? Sometimes we're just content to go from feel good to feel good and never have order fully restored. I want to walk in his divine order. I want to walk in his divine order the way he intends it. Would you talk to the Lord right now in the name of Jesus?